Welcome to Tranos and the Lived Experience, a podcast confronting current events, politics, comedy, and calamity, all from the perspective of a trans titaness. She's a verbal black belt, skilled in the art of roasting, the hellmouth, doomsayer, CEO of the Amazon position. Here's your host, Cameron Ellen Terrell. This is Tranos and the Lived Experience. Hello, my name is Cameron Ellen Jarrell, also known as Tranos. Say that shit or I'll stomp you out on the block. This is the show that hears that you want to say the word nigga, and we are here to say it with you. Go ahead and say it. I'll sock you in your fucking mouth. Today's episode, weaponizing white women. When I say weaponizing white women, what I'm talking about is the age-old adage or story of the white damsel in distress using the police as a weapon against minority groups. Now, typically, the situation that comes to mind when these kind of things happen is over the years is people think about Amy Cooper. Some people might think about Emmett Till. I tend to think more about Emmett Till um, because the situation um, was never resolved. The people who killed him got away with it. The woman who lied on him is still alive and still free. And the history of uh, police officers being used as a weapon against brown people is as old as the police. Uh, The municipal police didn't really come to existence in the New York area until um, 1866. Um, For the most part, that uh, law enforcement up to that point were sheriffs and uh, marshals, uh, pretty much bounty hunters. The police were uh, built as a structural system against brown people um, directly after slavery ended. Uh, Ku Klux Klan members became police officers. Angry slave owners became police officers. Anything to uh, revisit violence and harm on brown people. So when I talk about weaponizing, it's that now in 2021, we know for certain that a majority of white women have practiced this at one time in their life. And if you're one of my friends or you're on my friends list, that includes you. I'm also talking about you. There's a time in history where you use the threat of the police as violence on a brown body after transgressing against them. See, the formula goes, white woman does something problematic, says something problematic, upsets brown or indigenous or Latin person, Asian person, anyone that's not white. They stand up for themselves. The police are called. And most of the time, a false report is then reported. Something to the effect of I'm in danger or I'm being assaulted. Um, and normally it ends in terms with like I'm being assaulted by a black woman or I'm being assaulted by an Asian. Anything that lets the, the police officers know that a white woman's being attacked by a minority. And literally um, the time call for most police uh, responses to um, instances of assaults on brown people is sometimes longer than 15 to 20 minutes. When a white woman invokes the words... I'm being assaulted by insert minority poof. The police show up sometimes three minutes and 50 to four minutes and three seconds later It is the fastest response time ever. White women have for centuries sat at the the feet of the throne of white supremacy and benefited from its scraps. They are continually, continually, happy and convenient and complicit with those scraps because in doing so they get to do things like 
exercise their angst against white men on brown people because it's not accepted to attack a white man in open forum, but it is to do it to a brown person. Now, we talked about Amy Cooper. Amy Cooper kind of sparked this new outrage that happened for white people at the beginning of the COVID um, pandemic, where she called the police on um, uh, Mr. Cooper, a black man in New York. Um, he was walking his dog. He saw Miss Cooper um, walking um, in the dog park without her dog on a leash. He simply asked her, hey, can you put your dog on your its leash for safety purposes? Because typically a dog that's not on the leash can't really be controlled if it decides that it's going to attack a dog out of nowhere. It's the law. There are signs everywhere. He wasn't rude. He was pretty polite. She immediately turned around, asked not to be um, filmed. She closed the distance on him. And I'm glad he started filming. People ask, why do brown people feel the need to um, record what's happening to them in everyday occurrences? Because every day we report these kind of things to people and we are forced to the burden of proof because of it. And now that we're able to provide that proof, it is looked down upon and even gaslit in some circles to where people can't understand why we would walk around with our phones constantly ready to record some fucking borderline racist shit that's going to happen to us. Now... Like I said, Amy Cooper is not the first woman to do it, but in 2020 to have the audacity to do it on camera. Now, she can be heard saying on camera while choking her dog, mind you, please help me. There's a black man here filming me and I feel threatened. And then she upped the ante by adding the tears. White women tears have caused so many murders over the period of the existence of, of, of race and human beings being trafficked by other races. White women have caused so many murders that we could literally build skyscrapers with the corpses. Literally. Now, um, I've had this happen to me several times. I've been threatened with police being called on me, even when I'm not the transgressor. I'm not the aggressive one. It doesn't take much to be seen as the aggressor when you're six feet tall, trans, and black. Um, even the most dastardly white person c can play up the I'm white and in distress, even if they're bigger than me, even if they're another gender than I am. I don't get the benefit of uh, the damsel in distress because of my transness and my overall height and size. I don't get the benefit of being the damsel in distress. I'm always seen as the, the, the uh, aggressor at the gate, the shadowy figure. I had a conversation with someone that I used to consider a friend and... We were talking about police brutality. And when we were talking about police brutality, in the midst of having this conversation about police brutality, I stated that gen generalizing the plight of people being brutalized by police just because you don't experience it is a terrible thing to do. I didn't accuse anybody of anything. I didn't call her racist. She immediately jumped to the conclusion that she was being called racist, initiating white guilt. Um, she then started crying because of white guilt. And then when I was um, prepared to leave the conversation, um, I wasn't allowed to leave the conversation because I was being reverse racist. Dumbest thing I've ever heard, by the way. And then she called the police on me. Now, what does she report to the police in that conversation In that back and forth between us? What does she report to the police? So her knowing myself, my body as being a trans body, a female trans body. She called the police and she told them that she was being verbally attacked by a black man. Now, if it wasn't for the fact that I started recording the conversation as soon as she started coming un unglued, if it wasn't for that, I would have got assaulted, beat up, possibly killed. 
But in that instance, we all know, we all know for certain with a very lethal certainty when white women specifically invoke um, the calling of the police or the threat of the call of the police. What they're actually saying to us is that you've crossed me and you're in no place to cross me. So to bring you down a notch because I am not physically capable of doing it myself, I will use the patriarchy and misogyny to cause harm, if not murder to you. Short, short version of what I just said, I'll kill you, nigger. It's pretty much what white women are saying when they threaten to call the police for minute things, even when they're in the wrong. Fender benders, um, uh, disp uh, land disputes, anything of that matter. Uh, a, pizza, a pizza being delivered to the wrong place. You doing your job in out in public. UPS drivers have had cops called on them by white women for being in the wrong space. It's literally a tool that white women use constantly. And the thing that I want to say to um, those who have adopted to use this and those who have unknowingly done these things, fucking stop it. Long pause. Like, I look right. Like, stop it. Stop the bullshit. Like, we all know what you're doing. We all read between the lines. We all know how to paraphrase what you're doing. And for the, the large majority of us, we're so tired of it that some cities and some states are starting to enact laws that make it illegal, which they should have done after Emmett Till. A little boy was walking in downtown pick a space because this could have happened to uh, 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 Emmett Till anywhere this happened this happens all the time little boys walking in his space comes into contact with the white woman the white woman accuses him of looking at her and whistling he is then shot several times dragged hung mutilated and then drowned he wasn't even arrested he wasn't even taken to court what happened was she reported this to a police officer in front of several men. And those several men decided that that was a killable offense. And the police officer allowed it. Because police are the tool of white supremacy. I don't know how many times we have to say it. Police are the tool of white supremacy. And as much as people want to walk around here and claim this allyship, we have a hard time. A very hard time trusting white people, specifically as a trans woman. I have a very hard time trusting white women. Even though like I'm just in there's just as much danger. There's a certain amount of privilege that comes with being a white woman that black cis women just don't get. They're not allowed that privilege. If a black cis woman calls the police on me, the same effect might might happen to both of us. We have to think about the levity as black people of even when we need the police, if we call them, will we be harmed? There have been instances where people have called the police for help and died. Called to report robberies on their property and died. Called the police for help to get someone to an emergency service like a hospital or an emergency room and died. White women know what they're doing when they invoke the calling of the police for minute things. Police have been called on us by white women for barbecuing, selling water, doing our jobs, cutting grass, snow blowing snow, cleaning off cars, washing our cars, having picnics, everyday living things that white people can do with no interaction with the police. A white woman can call the police on us for.
a white woman in New Jersey came out of her house, saw a man in a full brown fit UPS uniform and decided that he looked suspicious and she needed to see his ID and all this other stuff. And she wanted to talk to his manager and when he declined to answer her because he was doing his job. She called the police on him. We know full well what happens when the police show up as many times as people want to deny what happened to Daniel Prude. What about like all the other people it's happened to? There's always a justification for it. And while we sit here arguing over whether like Confederate heritage is actual heritage, the answer is absolutely not. It's hatred from the Confederacy sprang the police. When black people were freed, everybody wants to act like Abraham is the Abraham Lincoln is the president of, 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 of black of the free black person. He's not. It was about more than freeing black people. It was about loosening up foreign commerce for America. Seeing as though we were being seen as the most barbaric because we held on to such a relic for so long. There were other countries who had not enslaved people for centuries by the time we stopped doing it. So when, when the Emancipation Proclamation happened on the exact same day were the orders of wounded knee. So we can't keep giving this heritage concern to things like the Confederacy and systematic racism and all those things. And yes, I do believe without a shadow of a doubt that certain things should be destroyed. As a person who has had to um, live my entire life followed up by my grandparents' entire life and my mom's entire life, had to live our entire lives without knowing our ties to our homeland, knowing our own language, knowing who we pray to. I had to search so hard to find my spirituality, to find where my, where my ancestors might have come from. It's not a definite thing because we can't pay for a DNA test to track us backwards. That's also a fucking privilege. The deep hatred and the, uh, fuck hatred, the all out fear that we have for police officers as a whole has been fueled not only by the brutality of white men, but at the impunity of white women. White women in their darkest thoughts, in their darkest moments will weaponize the police against us at the drop of a hat and give no fucks about what happens to us afterwards. One day, you will cry wolf and the police officers, in my mind, will show up and do this thing that you do to us. Sorry, I'm getting... I forgot to turn my phone off because I'm so impassioned and enthralled at this conversation that needs to be had. It hurts my heart sometimes because I've had very um, close people in my life show their level of racism in that moment. That they're not even fully aware that they're totally planning my demise in a phone call that is not based in reality. It is based in I need to be right and you need to be wrong because I'm white and you're black. Because I'm cis and you're trans. Because I'm straight and you're queer. The police can be used against any minority group as long as a white woman is on the other line.
It is sickening to most of us. And the question is, are new sweeping laws in states making it illegal to make false claims based upon race? Um, or should those be considered hate crimes? Should that instance of the false report be considered a hate crime? I say yes. If you show up to a, a scene as a police officer with your head screwed on tightly, which is few and far between nowadays, we all know that is. So we don't get into the conversation of there's some good cops out there. Uh, I'm sure they are. I just haven't fucking met any in 40 years. So with that being said, when a police officer shows up and they hear the story that's going on and they see the proof, are they then able to allow us to press federal hate crime charges on these women for doing these things? Because in North Carolina, where I used to live when I was younger, if you issued a threat of any kind, it was considered assault and you went to jail. And more often than not, the women of the people who would be reporting these kind of threats were white women because it was just the easier way to get through with calling the police on somebody because they didn't even have to be there. You could wait till the person left and be like, that person threatened me and I felt threatened when they were here. Here's what they said. And the cops will come get you. Now, as much as people get threatened, get their ass beat in North Carolina, you could imagine like a lot of people who are doing these kind of like charges, like filing these kind of charges against people are white because a white person will egg you on and egg you on and say horrible things and do horrible things to you play the victim. And then when you don't play in their hands, they get to enact the police. They get to activate that long earned privilege of white, like white fragility and white guilt, which turns into weaponized violence against brown bodies. How fucking disgusting. That we know the fucking pattern and there's literally nothing we can do but stay at the ready with our phones constantly on us. It's just another point of privilege that they get. They get to walk around bullying people. Saying terrible things. Racist, borderline, fucking hate-filled things. And then they can invoke the police. They get to play victim after doing these things to us. Some of my best friends are white people. And sometimes, like, being able to share these kind of um, thoughts with them is so hard because the pushback is almost immediate. Guilt-ridden pushback. If you've never done those things to people, then there's no need for you to comment on it. But the need to justify what an, uh, like what somebody else is experiencing just because you didn't experience is such a white trait. It's such a white quality. I don't understand it because I'm not able to yield it. I'm not able to wield it, hold it in my hands. I'm not able to use it in any capacity throughout the day. I have to give people the benefit of the doubt of their individualistic lived experiences because mine is so new, unique and fraught with sorrow and harm. We are not free to be ourselves as black people. We are not free to be ourselves as trans people. We are not free to be ourselves as queer LGBTQ people. I have to walk around on guard constantly. It must be amazing to just walk around starting shit with people and then invoking the fucking constables, calling the Jakes, 5012, whatever the fuck you want to call them. The damsel in distress is long dead. We know from slave history that the biggest murderer of African children was white women. And when they made it illegal 
to be killing black children at such a alarming rate during slavery. Because white women, they, there was a law that had to be enacted to stop white women from just like beating the shit out of African children. Because they felt like it. Um, when that law was enacted, not soon after, uh, slavery ended. And when slavery ended, police were created. And when police were created, misogyny smiled down on the the meekest creature in, under the white supremacy umbrella. And that would be the white woman. Now, if you're part of my audience and you just happen to be a white woman, there's two things you can do about the statements that I'm making. You can research them. Addendum, research them, and then try never to do these kind of things to people. Or you can get upset about it, addendum, and fuck yourself. If you've done this to someone in the past, if you've done this to someone recently, you deserve to be put underneath a jail. You deserve to feel as scared as you make others. You de you deserve to experience what the threat of police contact is to a person that isn't valued by the blue line. This blue line that everybody holds so dear. But we know how you actually feel about police. We have footage of how you actually feel about police. It's amazing to me the amount of racist people who walk around quoting NWA's fuck the police. Because it's not fuck the police until they do something to white people. Until they don't allow you to exercise your fucking privilege in the streets. Oh, you want proof? How about the January 6th insurrection of the Capitol? Where was that love for the thin blue line then? Huh? When you were crushing police officers and beating them with fire hydrants and hitting them with flags and dragging the Confederate flag, a fucking insurrectionist, treasonous shit rag through the capital of the United States of America. Where was the blue line then? Where was the reverence for heritage then? <clears throat> because as a free air quotes, because no person of color, queerness, or gender identity expansiveness has ever been free in this country. As a point of freedom and patriotism, everybody loves the fact that um, Colin Kaepernick <laughs> didn't stand during the national anthem. There's this big hoopla about him not respecting the flag or the troops. So how are we respecting the troops by traipsing the flag of the Confederacy through the state building of the United States of America. How are we feeling about that? What point of heritage is that in the existence of a seceded country that only existed for three years? We get into these long conversations about what we should do with these monuments. And we should do what we do to everything built by hate groups. They deemed the Black Panthers a hate group and they tried to destroy them and any knowledge of them. No one batted a fucking eye. The Ku Klux Klan has a long, uh, like long, like just documented history and no one's saying a thing about it. Because by giving them access to historical landmarks, we are teaching more about hate than we are against the forces that fought against them. There are no Union soldier monuments being taken down. Thus, that's partly because there aren't a lot of them. The Sisters of the Confederacy came together and they tried, uh, and this was actually 30 years after the Civil War. So the Civil War happened. Insurrection happened. 
secession happened. Deaths of lots of Americans happened at the hands of a insurrectionist, treasonous, seceded country. And when that happened, they lost the war. And in losing the war as a treasonous, insurrectionist country, you lose your banner. You lose your strongholds. You lose your offices, you lose your statehood, you lose your, po you, you lose your power. Any government official who enacted as a Confederate during times of the Confederate, Confederate Army was disbarred. Dis like Robert E. Lee was stripped of everything. He wasn't a hero. He was seen as a treasonous, like isolationist piece of shit. So the daughters of the Confederacy who still were lived long enough to remember slavery remember the power they had and the riches that they had georgia going from being one of the richest states in the united states to being the poorest after um the um the rebuild of the south and the what happened was the sisters of the confederacy wanted to paint the confederacy in a better light they didn't want to be remembered as treasonous assholes in history so what they did was they sponsored and paid to rewrite the narrative of the South. And how they did that was they started erecting Confederate monuments all over the South in places mainly where black people lived. It was not only a tactic used to put us in our place and keep us there. It was a tactic used to rewrite the narrative. So when people walk around in 2021 in New York State, by the way, talking about their heritage and cultural links to the confederacy no culture on this planet wants to be known as treasonous no culture on this planet wants to be known as heretic or heretics no culture on this planet deserves after doing said things to be remembered fortune favors the bold and history is written by the winners, correct? In every other instance of, of colon, um, colonization or takeover or sieges, we've never remembered what we've taken from indigenous people. We've never remembered what we've taken from black people. We've never remembered what we've done to Mexican people. We've never remembered how we treated Asian people. How we treated the Japanese when they got here, when 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 World War II started, how we treated them when they were the Chinese, when they were building our railroads for us. We don't have anything to commemorate those things, but we do have lots of fucking Confederate monuments and all kinds of iterations of the Confederate flag. You know, the one that got banned in 1865. That was only resurrected like around the time of the Sisters of the Confederacy. And then was then brought even further forward in the early 60s by the Dukes of Hazard. By the time the Dukes of Hazard started using the Confederate flag, it was seen as a sign of reverence for the South, for Dixieland, for a simpler time. But that simpler time was a time where my people were enslaved, where Mexicans were killed, where indigenous people were scalped, Women were raped, children murdered. That's the heritage you fighting so hard for? This heritage that everybody's fighting so fucking hard for? It's just a remembrance of harms done on other people. So when brown and black and indigenous and, and Latino people say that we don't want to walk around seeing 
these fucking bullshit, like, switch narrative statues, why is it so hard for you to give those up? Because technically you're not supposed to have them anyway. They weren't supposed to happen. For years in North Carolina, I lived in Oakland, in Asheville, and I sat on a hill. And that hill was the only place that black people lived in Asheville at the time I was there. And on all four sides of us was a visible state flag. And in the visible state flag, sometimes hundreds of feet high, Confederate flags. The Confederate flag weaved into the North Carolina state flag. For a hundred years, we begged them not to do this. For a hundred years. For a hundred years, we remind them of the lynchings and the drownings and the rapes and the destruction of property and the murdering of our children. And they did nothing. Confederate culture is not culture. It has no heritage. Just call it what it is. It's hate. And the number one fighters for the Confederate flag and its existence in modern day times have been white women. As much as we blame everything that's happened systemically to us as as minority cultures, we have to take a step back and give credit to how the white woman navigated white supremacy, misogyny, and patriarchy and molded it to protect them. They sometimes can't protect themselves from their own husbands, but they can protect themselves from us at all times. This show is a special edition brought to you by Go Fuck Yourself Problematic White Karen. My name's Cameron Ellen Jarrell, also known as Tranos. And this is the show that calls white women out and gives no more fucks about it. You don't like what I said? Move to a different country. <laughs>